Good day, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. And today is a special day. It's a great day. And just like every other show, I get a chance to meet with cool people doing cool things and who are literally making a difference. And today is one of those topics that we're going to talk about that's going to kind of bifurcate. It's going to start out by talking about insurance. And before you judge what insurance is or isn't, you're gonna wanna hold on, you're gonna wanna pay attention, and you're, you might even take some notes because we're gonna share with you information from an expert about why insurance is important, what it does for people, and frankly, what it may not do for people. So we're gonna talk about that, and then we're also gonna talk a little bit about business and entrepreneurship. So this is gonna be a great episode. I hope that um, if you enjoy this, that you share it with folks, because starting right now, we're gonna be talking to the amazing Sandy Robertson from Farmers Insurance. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Hovind, for having me today. It's my pleasure, and I'll tell you, any friend of Gabriel's is a friend of mine, and I know you guys work together, and you got a chance to be with him, and he just, he, he, when he was telling me about you and just kind of what you were doing and what you're about, I'm like, we need her as a podcast guest. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, because here's, here's what I know. People don't know what they don't know until someone shines some light on it, and there's no better example than that of insurance. And you, you are an insurance expert. You work with farmers in your own business, but you've worked in the industry for going on a decade now, right? Better part of a yes. decade. Yes, And what, what, are, what are you seeing um, in insurance today that maybe looks different or um, is changed from when you first got into the business? Are you seeing anything like that? Yes, absolutely. I think every, there's changes everywhere. You know, um, I think um, people don't understand the value of insurance. Um, so you have a lot of uninsured motorists out there. You Do you know? know what the percentage is? Because I've heard numbers, but I'm not in the industry, so I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to not understand. I would have to estimate at this time, but I would say about seventy percent of people are insured, and thirty percent, yeah. 30% have zero insurance? Yes, correct. Because that's the number I heard was about 28% yeah. of, of drivers did not have any insurance. Yeah, and it might be a little bit higher now uh, with, you know, we're... Cost of everything. Yeah, the cost of everything and po our population is going up as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So it could be a little bit higher. And is there, so with, we have, first of all, talk about the basic types of insurance that someone would want to look at. In other words, there's home, there's auto. Is there a, a bucket or a group of categories that people should think about having insurance? I would say um, really mm -hmm. look at the coverage limits you have. Mm -hmm. um, that is very important to have uh, the adequate coverage mm -hmm. for your auto. You know, we have, there's a state minimum of 25,000, 50,000. That's state minimum, that's what anybody could get. Um, but is that gonna cover uh, bodily injury? Right. You know, someone getting hurt in an accident. Um, it could not necessarily. You're looking at, um, we have electric vehicles now. So those are a little bit more expensive than driving a Honda to, um, you know, cover as well. So yes. I would say limits are very, very important. You know, I totally want to piggyback on that with you. Working here at the law firm, we see people every day who have been in car crashes and the people that are our clients are on the side of the ones that it wasn't their fault. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen far too many times, Sandy, far too many, is someone comes into us and they say, oh, I've got full coverage. And then it turns out that the person that hit them 
did not have they either a they were uninsured or b they had the minimum policy limits which in colorado is twenty five thousand. that's what we need to drive right by law yes. but they ended up going to the hospital in an ambulance where the initial bill was already twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars now there's five thousand dollars to try to care for all the rest of their injuries that could take months or years and not only that but then there's no more money left in a for a settlement to help for lost wages, to help for pain and suffering, to help for loss of daily activities. None of that's there. And so like you say, the amounts of coverage is crucial. Can you explain the amounts of coverage? Uh, and we're talking auto now, we can get to other stuff in, in a little bit, but with respect to auto coverages, how does it work in bundles of limits? First of all, maybe explain the 2550. So if someone gets 25,000, there's also 50,000. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, so the first 25,000 covers obviously like bodily injury. So then you would have a a max of 50,000 to cover both, mm-hmm. you know? So um, overall, I would say a lot of, I would recommend 250,000 coverage yes. because yes. that gives you leeway. Right, you and, know, and it doesn't matter like the cost of the vehicle. You know, it's mostly pr- to protect yourself from someone coming after you. Absolutely, you know, and that's a lot of people don't understand that mm-hmm. at all. Um, it's it doesn't just stop at like at a medical facility. You know, it could go to court. It could you know cost not just wages on both ends, but you know it costs a life. And unfortunately, if you're if you cause the wreck and you not not only do you have that mental note that you ended someone's life, but also like on top of that, you have costs. Yes. What and you know the funny thing about that <clears throat> twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, and for those listening, the way that the coverages work is whatever you buy, there's the amount that is allowed for an individual and then the amount that's allowed for a group, right? So if yes. there's three of us in a car and the person that hits us has 25,000, 50,000, no one of us can get more than $25,000. Even if our even if our hospital bills were 80,000, if there's mm-hmm. three of us, not one person can get more than the 25, and then everyone combined can't get more than 50. Right. Yes. That's and, and that that's where it gets tricky. And so um you mentioned this 250,000. So for those people that are watching listening, you can purchase coverages at basic levels and getting to more advanced levels, right? Right, so yeah. So 2550 yes. and then what 5100? Yeah, 5100 then 100,000, 300,000. Mhm. as well. Mm-hmm. So and up to the 250,000. Yeah. So you know. 25500. Mhm. Yeah, so Yeah. Yeah. And it helps also with like the home as well, you know. So there is several discounts, but that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think protecting um, your assets, your family, and yourself from being sued, you know, unnecessary, you know, dealings yeah. that, you know, that is going to put you um, out of work because you have to go attend a court date or, um, you know, medical ex- a medical thing that mm-hmm. comes up. And so. interestingly enough, it's people don't understand this it's so common that they that they don't get it right where mm-hmm. um again we see it every day that's why this is such a passion um topic for me and i'm so glad you're here because if someone gets in an accident and 
it gets messed up. For example, one of our team members here was in an accident where someone in her car was killed. Their life was lost. Four people in the car, turns out that the person was driving while intoxicated on the wrong way on a highway and just, you know, front end to front end and head on collision cost immense, immense damage, medical bills, lost life, tragedy. There's no way that that guy, that person who was driving the other car, that um, coverage even at 250,000, 500,000 mm-hmm. is going to be enough. No, right? there's, I, there's, no. There's no way. And that happens all too often and not even at that magnitude, but someone gets in, in an injured in injury situation, gets hit by someone who is underinsured. That's why there's a thing called uninsured and underinsured motorist. Yes. For just that scenario. Can you kind of explain UMUIM for our audience? Uninsured motorist. So it protects you. Um, it protects um, if there is uninsured motorists out there. So it's a, a limit that we can use to protect you, as in cover you in case something of such happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a hit and run. We we have those often. You know, we have to file claims a lot for those. Um, you can never find the person. So that's where that coverage would come into place to protect, you know, to get your vehicle repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it does end up in in where someone does pass away. So um, there there still is that leverage right there. And unfortunately, we there's times where we can never find the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that underinsured, and I think it's important to distinguish between uninsured and underinsured motorists. Because mm-hmm. if you have someone who is injured to the point where it gets they use all of the benefits of the person that hit them so if they only had twenty five thousand coverage for the person they hit and this is it when i teach this to people i always tell them bi bodily injury bi protects the other guy um or uim protects you so if the bodily injury person hits someone and doesn't have enough coverage then at that point if that person has underinsured motorist coverage Mm-hmm. then that, their policy kicks in, right? right. In order yes. to make up the difference of what was already paid and now exhausted and what still remains both in uh, treatment costs and in settlement costs. Yes. So Correct. that becomes important. It is very important. And, and a, lot of, um, a lot of people don't understand the value of it. They don't, they're like, oh, well, that's expensive. Well, so is going to be like the, the rest of the cost. So if you are underinsured, you know, you accidentally get into a car accident, at least that you have that leverage as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes, it becomes critical mm-hmm. um, because when you look at having these policies, most, and I'll let you speak to this, but I know for sure, looking at even at my own policy, most of the expense is on the basic coverage of what I have. So if I wanted to, it's not that much more for me to get bodily injury of which you know we're along lines of what you are 250,000 we have 250 500 is what we carry because in in our state you can't cover the yourself more than the other guy you can't protect yeah. you more than you, I'm willing to protect my you from me right so yeah. we have 250 500 so that if I'm driving around and and I cause an accident there's that much but then I also have the same amount 250 500 that if you hit me and my damages are severe and you are underinsured or uninsured, now I have the most to protect me too. But most of my premium is happening at the base level. 
right? Just yes. to have the basic coverage. Is that what yeah. you're, what you guys see? Yes, we see that very often. Um, rates are going up, um, and it's something that we can't prevent. A lot yeah. of what, why do why do rates go up? It it goes off the base of the cost of living as well as the claims, mm-hmm. um, and uninsured motorists out there mm-hmm. as well. So that's a lot of of the cost mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, yes, we have to pay for those that don't pay for their own insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's the way it comes down to. Yeah, and what? Let's talk now again. There, there's um, we're talking about auto right now. We've talked about bodily injury which is what you get to protect others on the road when you're driving in case you hit them. There's underinsured and uninsured motorist that is in place to protect you if someone who hits you either has no insurance or is underinsured related to the amount of damages that you have to your body. And then there's this thing called medical payments coverage, what we call MedPay. Can you explain a little bit about what MedPay is and, and how it works? The medical payments um, works as if so- if someone were to be hurt in an accident, there is a, per- a percentage of medical payments that the insurance would cover. Mm-hmm. You know, there is maxes. Um, every insurance is different, um, but you can carry as much as you would like. I know with farmers, we have up to 50,000 mm-hmm. in medical coverages. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't just protect um, the driver, but it also protects passengers in the car. Yes, and regardless of who was at fault. That's yes. the beautiful thing mm-hmm. about MedPay is if someone hits my car and I'm in it and I have MedPay, my my MedPay covers me and all my passengers. Yes. And if I hit someone else and it's my fault, my MedPay still covers me. It doesn't yes. cover the other car's party, but that covers me and my party, correct? Yeah, correct. And so MedPay, those three are really powerful uh, and MedPay, I believe the minimum amount you can take in all companies is in Colorado's 5,000, correct? It is 5,000, yeah. yeah. And then but each company has its own maximum. Some yeah, like, it's on max. Mm-hmm, so 25 or 50. 25, 50,000. Yeah. It kind of depends on the companies, um, how they want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so here's the question that I'm sure people that are watching or listening right now are asking, are like, holy crap, there's so many coverages and they're so wide varied. And she just said insurance expenses are going up. How does, do you have a, a range of how you say, what's the thought process of how much someone should get? Because just think of it this way, with um, nutrition, mm-hmm. right? If we're looking at nutrition for our bodies, what nutrients you should take is almost 80 to 90% dependent on what your budget is for those nutrients. So in other words, if you have the budget to afford super specialized nutrients plus foundational nutrients plus you know chef cooked meals Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a different experience than if you have 50 bucks a month then you got to choose what's the best thing for you so i'm sure economics plays something into how much coverages you should get but from your perspective as a a seasoned agent what are the minimum um things you should have because you can sign away um and medpay right you could you don't they're not mandatory they're mandatory to be offered, but yeah. you can sign them away. So what, what should people look for based on their income levels, based on their assets, based on their needs? How would you advise someone? I would, um, honestly, there's no way to advise anybody of that just because um, you, if you wanna be protected, you're gonna have to be willing to pay those rates. 
Um, it does range, you know, like obviously that's 25,000, 50,000 to 50,000 to 100. Each, each one is its own rate. Plus you have to consider the make and model of the car. Mm-hmm. So economically, I would say right now, um, probably it is going to be hard for people to afford having auto insurance. And, um, and it's just the way it's because it's going up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the sad part, but we have to look at the value of what it gives us, um, to keep it in place, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, and so if I were answering that same question, mm-hmm. what I would offer, cause you know, I come from a different perspective right. here at the law firm and, and, and seeing these things, um, my answer to that same question, if you were asking me would be that we have to look at what other coverages do you have in place? In other words, are you on Medicare, Medicaid? Do you have health insurance? If you're on health insurance, what's your deductible? Can you afford your deductible? Because you better have med pay at least as much as your deductible. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I always tell people, if you have a high deductible, absolutely. You have to at least have that med pay. But we can't make them. No. We can only recommend it. Advise it. And if they take it they take it Mm -hmm. and it and then when it you know something firsthand happens then that's when they change absolutely the whole entire coverage yeah because now they understand the value of it right and and so part of our goal here is to help people before you have an injury because you can't the the worst part speaking about auto and, and home as well you can't add on insurance after a claim you can't go oh well now i want ten thousand in med pay because the the accident happened two days ago it's over whatever yeah. you had at the time is what you've got and so part of our big message you and i today is to help people you know to understand an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure mm-hmm. and so what we tell people is look you got to know what your budget is and you need to insure up to to the max of what your insurance budget is given consideration of all the other things because i'll tell you you know you made a great point about um, should you be protecting your own assets if you cause an accident? Well, if you don't have a lot of assets, you know, you're not gonna get sued. And if you do have a lot of assets, you'd be foolish not mm-hmm. to cover yourself to the to, to the maximum allowable, right? Right, and yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and there's, um, you know, the umbrella policy, for I was example. just gonna ask you about that. Can you talk about umbrellas? <laughs> yeah, so that's, um, you know, we there's different coverages. There's a million dollar umbrella, two million. Um, you know, it kind of depends on where you're looking at and you're the, the type of assets you have. And what do they do? What do umbrellas so, do? How do they work? So the way they work is they protect you from anybody trying to sue you. So it's like a leverage. So it's almost like if I wanted to sue you for an, a car accident, you know, and you you could use that umbrella to make a plea deal. You know, this mm. is how much I would I would give you, you know, from mm-hmm. that umbrella. And you if know? you use an umbrella, do your rates go up? No. No. Because I know also an important fact for people is if you are in a car accident and if you cause the accident your rates are going up if you didn't cause the accident and you end up using your med pay your uninsured motorist or underinsured motorist your rates don't go up because it wasn't your fault and that's what Mm -hmm. you pay for and people don't get that right they They just don't understand understand. no it'll show up it'll show up on your motor vehicle records obviously but it'll it'll be a non-chargeable yes it'll reflect that on our end Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So it doesn't affect any anybody's rate. Which is super important to know because yes. that's some people won't report claims or they won't get they won't go get the care that they need because right. they think, oh, well, it's going to raise my rates. Well, not if it's your med payer or underinsured, uninsured motorist. So I think that's a big point too. Yes, absolutely. Let's switch topics for a minute and talk about home insurance. Okay. This is a big deal um, here in Colorado. And I just actually had a, a conversation with my insurance agent recently. We had a huge fire here called the Marshall Fire. Yes. Remember that last year? Yes. And it, was, it took out a thousand homes and businesses or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people were finding is that their home was not insured to the level that the rebuild cost was, and they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Number one, how does that happen? Like that doesn't seem like a good thing and doesn't, it doesn't seem fair if your insurance was there. And number two, how do you, how do you value, how, how do you go about making sure that your home is covered to the degree that it should be? So you want to make sure you're always reviewing that coverage. How often? I would say a year. Every year. Every year. Every year. Um, I have some customers that do it every six months mm -hmm. because you know, they have rentals and their own home um, and they're, they're kind of scared in regards to the Marshall Fire, you know. So they want to make sure they're adequately covered. So you always want to make sure you always talk to your agent about that and have them review it with you, up the coverage. Um, you know, make sure that coverage is always at at least 80% of, or a little more of the market value of your home. And, and what does that include? So the market value of your home, um, can you calculate replacement costs into that? Do you have to, like, do you as the agent go, well, right now wood is twice as much as wood was before and contractors are out this many months. And so for that replacement cost, it just went up by 30%. Like, do you guys do that? Or how does that come into play? We actually work with, um, it's called 360 valuation. So okay. it's actually a tool that we use that we, um, we type in, you know, how many square footage of your home, um, how many rooms, have you customized anything? What the every detail to your home is very important to provide to your agent because that will define what the replacement cost of the home is. And what about the contents of the home? How is that a separate that replacement is, cost? Yes, that okay. is separately. Um, you will have a max up to that, depending on the percentage of the the cost of the replacement of the home. So we have the cost to rebuild a home in the case of a fire, or maybe a flood or earthquake, and then we have the cost of replacing contents. Are, is that one policy or are those two policies? It's all combined. It's, it's all combined. In, yeah, it's all combined in your homeowner's policy. Okay. And, well. and then how do people... Um, evaluate art and jewelry and especially over time if you had a piece of art for 20 years maybe it's worth more right than what you paid for how do you go about that process so for that kind of process we do ask you do an appraisal mm -hmm. um, you should have a receipt or an appraisal put in in place uh, somewhere secure that way when something like this happens you at least have that pr protection so you could submit it to the the insurance for that claim and so would that be on anything that someone considers uh is, is there a, a category of those because valuables could be relative right you might have china right that's really valuable compared to plastic dishes 
you could have jewelry, you could have art. Um, you know, I don't know if it's considered, what if you have four wheelers and boats and toys that are in a garage that then the whole thing burns down? Like, you know what I mean? How, yeah. how do you evaluate all that stuff? Well, <clears throat> I would hope you could, anybody would have the boat and ATVs covered as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there is coverage out there for them as well. Okay. Um, the same the same limits the same value it would be replaced you know we would just submit a claim under their own policy so you could replace them so they're separate they're, than even if they're in the garage of the home they're not a part of the home contents is that right yeah they're not considered a part of it okay um that's where you would actually additionally have to because there's maxes mm -hmm. that we have to consider being in insurance unfortunately um but there is policies that you can put in place to have that per, f to have those valuables protected and no what about joke. common things like furniture tvs all that kind of stuff how, how do you go how do you value that because you can't really get an appraisal on all that stuff all the time Right. Um, I would say on they would be market value of wherever the um, when the fire or you know whatever happened to your home, mm -hmm. it would be market value of that point. So is it is it a good <clears throat> idea then as we sort through this for people to make a list of this is the type of couch I have because not all couches are created equal, right? You can right, buy a couch yeah. at a discount store or you can buy a couch at a real high-end store you might spend six thousand on one couch and six hundred on another a couch is not a couch so when we're evaluating that do you do you have to show is it is, is it incumbent on the policy holder to show the insurance carrier this is a six thousand dollar couch versus a six hundred dollar couch it is very important because we we're not going to know how much the value of the the couches yeah um unless we know the brand of it you know mm -hmm. we could look it up on our end and see how much it is so people need to but, keep an inventory of their yeah, stuff it's always good to have an inventory mm -hmm. you know me it might be a little bit extra but it's always going to be good mm -hmm. once it comes to a claim mm -hmm. that way the insurance company knows exactly what was lost mm-hmm yeah, that's so funny. Like I have a bunch of fishing rods. I love to fly fish, right? So I probably got eight fly fishing rods. So if I were to lose everything, I'd be like, oh man, I had this rod. So what is it? Yeah. Are you saying this rod was worth $100? This rod was worth 150 Like yeah. that kind of thing? Yeah, that type of inventory, you know? So and people it, have to put time into this. This is a this is an experience that you have to do to in order to, if you're going to get your highest value is what I'm saying. Yes, hearing. yeah. Uh, that's you know like for example myself i i have a list mm -hmm. of my valuables mm -hmm. um you know they might not be valuables to other people but they're very valuable to myself and i keep a list not at my house but you know somewhere secure where you know nothing happens to it that way when i do have to submit a claim like i can present all my valuables mm -hmm. that i had on there and do you do you um give that let's say you had an agent i mean you can be your own agent i'm sure but if you had an agent would you have that that list in their file as well i would recommend it yeah 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 some um it kind of also depends on the agent as well um not always not every agent is the same they might tell you otherwise but i would mm -hmm. i okay. would okay um, what about renter's insurance? Talk so, about that. So the rental insurance, it, that's another important. So if you're renting an apartment, you're renting any type of um, home. 
it'll give you protections for your own property. So, you know, the home, the renter, the landlords have their own coverage in place. But if something were to happen to your personal belongings while you're there, it wouldn't cover that. So the landlord's insurance doesn't cover anything for a renter's no. stuff? No, it does okay. not. No. And the limits, you know, everybody's valuables are different. And so the, for that, we could definitely work out some, whatever you feel is about how much work, how much your valuables are worth. Yeah. So it goes back to that same yeah. list of what do you have and mm-hmm. what's it worth. What do you have? Exactly. But the good thing is um, it does extend to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. So if you leave your laptop unattended in your vehicle, you know, that um, you can always submit a claim and it does extend to you having it in the vehicle. Okay, good. Are there other types of major insurance categories that we should talk about um, that for the average person that they need to consider? We've talked about auto that everyone driving needs to consider, and we talked about that. We talked about home. Everyone's living somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully. I mean, obviously there are some people that don't have homes, unfortunately, but for everyone that is either um, living in a home that they're purchasing or renting, we talked about that. Is there another category of insurance that we need to make people aware of? I would say the deductible portion. Okay, let's uh, talk about that. You know, that. a lot of people don't understand that they do have to have a deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, the lower the deductible, obviously, the lower the rate, the higher the deduct. I'm sorry, the higher the deductible, the lower the rate. Right. The lower the deductible the higher the rate and essentially that means that you how much cash do you have on hand that if Mm -hmm. you have to go to uh, if you have to file a claim whether it's home or auto or whatever it might be you you have to be able to fill that bucket up before your insurance starts to pay off yes could be a thousand dollars could be five thousand dollars that kind of thing yeah it could be it's you know about what you would have in case there is damage to your vehicle Mm -hmm. there is damage to your home that is something that it would have to come into play when submitting a claim Mm -hmm. and um do you guys do a lot of or any health insurance i don't Mm -hmm. but i would like to get into it okay because health insurance is a whole nother thing yeah we talk about deductibles but that's why i was asking for you if there was any other um categories of insurance so home and auto kind of go into the same bucket. Health is another category of insurance, but it's not necessarily right aligned with home and auto, but everyone needs to to understand health insurance, how it works, if their company offers it, if they're getting it on their own, if they're getting it through a a federal fund of some sort or whatnot, so. Yeah, definitely, everybody needs to have it. Yeah, I agree. So um, if we've hit the highlights with home and auto and renter's insurance, I want to pivot now onto what it's like to be in a working for a company selling insurance doing your thing versus starting your own business. What made you decide to start your own insurance agency? Um, it, it was an agent I used to work with. Uh, he actually kind of pushed me out the door <laughs> um, because he, he said it's time. Like you, you know, it's something that you are passionate about and it's time for you to make your own legacy. Um, So at that time, um, I did struggle with like, you know, what it's like to run a business. Because I know on the other side how to be an employee, but to run 
your own business is completely different. Um, so obviously I was scared, um, but I did it. You know, um, I took his, I took it and ran with it and uh, I'm here now. So that, um, you know, it's just, um, it's been a, a long road. Mm-hmm. I would say a roller coaster <laughs> for sure. Um, but if it's something you truly have a passion for and you believe um, that you can make a difference, the slightest difference, then you're you're gonna you're gonna you got this. Nice. You got this. What has been the biggest surprise or unexpected thing that you found since opening your own business? Was there something like I had no idea? I would face this or it would be this good or this bad or mm-hmm. man, I didn't even know about, you know, 941 taxes or something. Was there something that just hit you of like, wow, I never expected that. Um, the taxes, the taxes was a lot to uh, understand. Um, thank God I have an accountant that if I have a question, she's right there answering every single question. Um, I would say, having charge of your own employees because you can only you know do so much on your side that you know others aren't willing to go Mm -hmm. so that was surprising you know in my head i always thought okay this is gonna be easy i got this you know especially having you know to be a boss Mm -hmm. because sometimes you have to like have boundaries yep tough conversations sometimes yeah and i think the tough conversations is probably for me personally because i'm a mom so the mom in me comes in and um it's rough sometimes mm-hmm. to you know to have those conversations i have to kind of okay i gotta go have 10 minutes you know and i'm holding back tears because i didn't want to have these conversations with you know certain individuals right well you know uh, i know um being in that position myself of having those types of conversations, whether it's here at the law firm or in other places that, you know, businesses and that I've owned or whatever. I think that if I can always look at it from the aspect of as John Maxwell, who's a, a renowned leadership expert, I've read lots and lots of his books and lots of his stuff. He'd like, he's a guru in the area of leadership and all businesses rise and fall at the end of the day on, on leadership. Right. Anyway, he talks about um, being able to talk with caring and with candor. Mm-hmm. And and so the thing that I know that whenever I have to have those conversations, the better relationship that I've built with that person, or if someone has to have one of those conversations with me, I mean, I'm not above messing up. And so um, the better the relationship is, the easier those conversations go where I can, they know that there's caring or I know that there's caring for me and that the candor is to help me get better and to help us get better. So that's been something that I have found if, if I can have the relationship strong, so I'm always investing in my people so that we're good there and then having these caring with candor conversations becomes much more fruitful. And I don't know if you've found that to be true. I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm still learning. Uh, I feel I have like that caring person um, right there. I think I care too much. <laughs> um, and I understand everybody, you know, goes through stuff, is struggling. Um, I just can't, you know, being a new business or owner, I'm trying to definitely set boundaries, um, certain boundaries and trying to deal um, the best I can. Yeah. 
You know, one of the primary boundaries that business owners all have to set for themselves is this um, boundary of work-life balance. And it's interesting mm -hmm. because as, as any business goes through its life cycle, depending on how much momentum that business has and how much money it has to start out, it will require a lot of time. It does. But yet at the same time, you have to, as an individual owner, understand what it is that you need to recharge some and to have your key relationships stay intact. Because, mm -hmm. you know, all relationships can handle some distance for a while, but mm -hmm. eventually that starts to affect the relationship. So as a new business owner, what have you found? How have you navigated the waters of, of a work-life balance for yourself and your, your family? Um, I have the biggest support system. And that's like my, my husband and my kids. Mm -hmm. um, they going towards own doing this, um, that was one conversation that we had with them is that mom's gonna be gone a lot. And, you know, and um, they were understanding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, surprisingly. And they have cheered me on through this whole entire journey. So um, I'm present. Like, I just, so I, I give myself a limit, you know, like if, if it's like till eight o'clock, it's eight o'clock. Um, and that's when I give my whole presence to them mm -hmm. um, and them knowing and understanding that I, there's times where I do have to work extra long and they understand. Yeah. So, um, and they know it's, you know, we're building a legacy and I tell them this all the time. I'm like, this is for you guys. Um, so help me build this and, you know, we can have all the free time in the world and they're doing it. How old are they? Um, so there's five. So five, I have, you have yeah. five children. Okay. What yeah. are their ages? So, uh, our twins are 19. Okay. Um, then there's my 15 year old and nine year old and a 10 year old. What's beautiful about what you just said is we're building this together. We're building legacy is I found when I was doing my chiropractic practices, I would have to be, you know, I'd have my patient hours and then I'd have my business building hours, which weren't always in patient hours, right? If I was doing a lecture or out at an event or whatever. And the more I could get my kids to understand like, hey, come bring your crayons, let's go do this and you can see this. Or if I was talking at an event and they wanted to come, I would let them come see me speak. And it allowed them to be part of the process. And I think with so many business owners, um, if they could have their families experience part of the good times, the rough times, the struggle, it, it brings you closer as a family and it also makes that journey so sweet. And, and it sounds like that's exactly how you guys are approaching it. Yes, yes. I want my kids to know what it is to be uh, an owner and take from what I'm learning and apply it differently in the in the near future. You know, I have a daughter that just graduated cosmetology school, so I'm like, here's my struggles, take them, run with it. Mm. Um, you know, and I have my 15-year-old self-taught nails, you know, and she's going somewhere, yes. you know, and so just having them kind of have their own little business and but seeing the way I'm handling things, um, I hope they learn from my mistakes and carry, you know, do it differently on their part. So well. good. And, you know, we all need mentors, right? And no matter where we're at in our careers or in our lives, in school, whatever, we need mentors. And the quicker we understand that we need them and then find them, the better off we are. 
What are the mentors or advisors that you have found to be really important as you've begun your entrepreneurial journey? I would say my district manager has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. So if I have certain questions, um, I'll call him first, Mm -hmm. whether it's to vent or, um, you know, to um, talk about business. He's always been right there. Um, So I think just having a mentor that's going to be there through the journey and, you know, not give up on you for the slightest, smallest thing, I think you have it that's nice yes yes and what about advisors you talked about an accountant are there (laughs) other advisors that you as an entrepreneur think i need these people to support me whether it's a a banker a health coach a massage therapist is there other people that you as a business owner feel like you need to have around you aside from your accountant that you'd want to share i would say um a therapist Mm -hmm. you know because sometimes we i'm so sorry <clears throat> we need to talk yes. to other people besides the you know the ones you you have close at home or you know even if it extends professionally i think it's always good to have an outside person just to vent talk to and let them know what's going on beautiful so here's my final question for you <clears throat> have you learned or been given a piece of advice that has really helped form the foundation of who you are, what you're doing and where you're going that you would be willing to share with me and with our audience? Oh, there's been a lot. Uh, there has been a lot. <clears throat> but I'm gonna go with uh, with my mom. She, um, <clears throat> I've been having a rough couple weeks and um, so she, out of the blue, texted me, um, remember you're always a warrior. So that's something that has been like stuck in my mind. So, you know, I know I'm going to have up and downs, um, business, personal, whatever, but I know I can pick myself up. Doing the warrior spirit. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for taking time and sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us and being vulnerable to talk about what it's like to open a new business. All of this is real and you're making a difference. And so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us here. Absolutely. And for those of you watching or listening, um, if you found value in this, please share it with someone, get it into someone's hands because uh, we want to make sure that we're protecting each other and taking care of each other. And that starts with taking care of ourselves. So uh, I hope that no matter where you're at in your day, that you have a great day and that you, re- you remember this always, you too can make a difference.